You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, the plan today is to unfortunately potentially be wasting all of our time. Um, I really don't know if there's going to be football this weekend. I really don't. I just saw a message come across my phone that said the Rams, I believe they said they put Aaron Donald on COVID IR, which makes 25 players they have on on IR for COVID. Just COVID. Um, Cleveland is toast. Uh, uh, The NFL is currently actually revisiting what to do about this, and, and apparently scrapping this week is on the table. Now, as of right now, the commissioner is saying we're not doing that, but um, the way things are going, stay tuned is all I can say because, I mean, we're literally getting to the point where I don't know if we're going to, some teams are going to be able to field teams, you know. Um, Apparently, between Monday and Wednesday, I'm just looking at an article here, so this must have been posted on Wednesday, but between Monday and Wednesday, there were just under 100 players that were put on the COVID list. Um According to this article, and it, again, it probably went up, um, eight teams on enhanced COVID protocol status. One of the people, fortunately, Green Bay hasn't been hit super hard yet, but part of the problem is it's not just a matter of, you know, it, it's running rampant in certain teams in certain locker rooms. I mean, the reason that more people are being added every day is is not because some people have it. and are run- I mean, the, the point is if somebody has it, they catch them and then, you know, you, you don't continue spreading it. It's not... The problem is it's spreading everywhere right now. I shouldn't say everywhere. Many, many states throughout the United States are having very high case rates right now. Wisconsin, for example, is one of them. So the point isn't that, well, Kenny got it and that's it, so we should be good because they're going to isolate him and now now everybody else is safe. No, man, I mean, somebody else can get it and introduce it into the locker room still. They're, they're still high risk. The Bears, for example, are completely done. I mean, they, they, they already had an uphill battle potentially beating the Vikings. Unless the Vikings lose half their team, they're, they're completely screwed. The Bears placed six players, including Allen Robinson and Eddie Jackson, on COVID IR or COVID reserve list. But it also hit all of their uh, coordinators, Bill Lazor, Sean Desai, and special teams coordinator Chris Tabor. Washington football team. And again, this is, well, when was this posted? Let me just see. Oh, never mind. This was three hours ago, so it is relatively up to date. Um, Washington, 21 players. The Detroit Lions are down 10 defensive backs. Not all of them are due to COVID, but they're down 10 DBs right now. Uh, Okuda, 
Jerry Jacobs and A.J. Parker on IR for uh, the first two with season-ending injuries. Tracy Walker, Efedi Malfonwu, Bobby Price, Mark Gilbert, Jalen Elliott, and practice squad defensive backs Nikel Roby Coleman, he's on the practice squad, and Corey Ballantyne are out with COVID. The Seahawks lost Tyler Lockett and Alex Collins. It's only two guys, but that's pretty drastic. Dolphins lose Jalen Waddell. They already had Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed, Philip Lindsay, and Javon Holland. Javon Holland is one of the best safeties in football right now as a rookie. Which, by the way, I just, you know, we'll worry about that another time. So, I mean, it's 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 pretty brutal. And um, I don't know, man. I, 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 I guess there's only one of two ways that that we go with this. One is what I think most people want to do, which is just accept this as our new way of life. In other words, this is going to happen this year. It's going to happen next year. It's going to happen every year for the rest of our lives because, you know, COVID is essentially endemic right now, meaning it is like the flu. It's going to be doing this every year. You're going to get waves and they're just going to come and go and come and go. Or we're going to kind of try to start moving on from this and treating it like, you know, the flu or whatever else which I doubt will ever happen, regardless of, of if people are getting serious symptoms or not. If you have it, you have to be isolated and segregated from society, and that's the way it has to be. But I don't know. That's We'll see. It's depressing to think that this is just going to be our life forever, hiding from COVID, this thing that will literally never go away. It's also funny to me how we act shocked when there's, like, outbreaks. <laughs> like, oh, there's an outbreak. It must be because somebody's doing something wrong. Nah, dude, that's that's just kind of how it goes. We're having an outbreak because we haven't had one in a while. That's why the South is not having any problems right now, because they just got through their problems, and they're on the downswing. And eventually, ours are going to go down, and theirs are going to go up, because that's what happened. But of course, we're, you know, whatever. <sighs> Anyways, conversation for another time, I guess, because this is what it is right now. Um, and again... As of right now, Roger Goodell says they don't plan on postponing any games, but I just, at this rate, there's already several teams, and I haven't really dug in deep to look at what teams' rosters look like, but even if everybody can currently field a team, I mean, there's different different definitions of what a team is, you know what I mean? I mean, at some point, some teams are so ravaged that, I mean, they're barely a college roster at this point. And honestly, I, I, I think, and I know, again, this will never happen, but I wouldn't mind if you had, similar to what we had in school, built-in snow days, which is simply to say, you know, even if you want to build it out for two weeks, because, I mean, there's a lot of off-season. I mean, off-season is just a lot of time for not doing anything. If you had, quote-unquote, snow days or snow week, where it's like, look, COVID is going crazy, we're shutting it down this week, but we're just going to push everything back, which means we would play the Ravens next week. We're not playing... Cleveland next week, we're playing the Ravens next week. So everybody just gets a bye week this week. Y'all get a bye week, come back healthy, see you next week, and then that means that everything else gets pushed out a week. The playoffs are one week later. The Super Bowl is one week later. Everything's a week later. The draft can be a week later. I don't, well, see, the problem with that is it gets a little bit dicey because there's a lot of scheduling that goes on. I mean, I'm sure there are already plans for the Super Bowl um, as far as making arrangements with hotels and venues and everything else and having to cancel all that would probably be problematic. I mean, especially with the draft, because I mean, the, the Super Bowl is just a stadium and it's our stadium and we can choose when to use it whenever we want to. So that's a little bit easier, even though, again, there's still going to be scheduling with the, the halftime show. What, you know, that, that's all been scheduled, what date that is and everything else. The draft, though, is like at a place. 
You know, like if you look at the one that was in, what was it, Nashville or whatever, they took over like the whole city. <laughs> it was like the streets were shut down and everything. It would be hard to be like, oh, by the way, never mind, just kidding. We're actually going to take over your whole city the next week. Is that all right? So I, I see why that would be complicated. But the point is, again, I don't think that's going to happen, but I would be okay with doing that if it were viable. But I don't think the NFL would be able to find a way to make that work. Able to or willing. I think it'd just be too much work and they don't want to do it. They'd rather just shut down a week. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to lose a week of football. Yes, the answer to the question is I'd rather have a meaningless, stupid game of football. And it would probably be a fairly rare thing. I mean, you're going to have teams that are completely obliterated. And I guess at that point, we're kind of saying, oh, well, suck it up. Because you can't shut down the week every single time a team is down. And I just, I can't imagine this is going to happen too often where you know, 50% of the teams are completely decimated with COVID. Anyways, uh, all that to say, we're going to continue looking at the Baltimore Ravens, and I hope that it isn't uh, a waste of time and this ends up getting canceled or something crazy. Um, but it is it is absolutely getting nuts. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it's insane. And I think it was Von Miller, not Aaron Donald. But for all I know, Aaron Donald is already on COVID IR. I have no idea. David Montgomery is out of practice for the Bears. Yeah, Field Yates just tweeted, uh, the Rams are up to 25 players. The Browns and Washington are at 21 players. That's wild. Anyways, uh, moving on to what we got going on here. As I mentioned, Kenny Clark is out. I shouldn't say he's 100% out. It's 95%, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I think maybe if it turns out to be a false positive or whatever, I don't know. Let's just assume he's out. Uh, Matt LaFleur did say that that means TJ Slayton's going to have to step up. He is the next man in line uh, with, you know, Kenny being out. So, you know, obviously that's not an exciting thing, but I think TJ Slayton has a pretty big fan base. So it's one of those weird things where it's like, I know I shouldn't be happy about this, but I'm kind of excited to see the guy go. It was kind of like last year when A.J. Dillon never got to play, and then there was like injuries and A.J. Dillon had to play, like in the Tennessee Titans game. And it's like, you know, it's not good that we don't have our guys. But I'm a little excited to see this guy work. Now, this is entirely different. This is not A.J. Dillon as a number one guy. Well, never mind. I'm not going to get into that. Maybe he's going to be great. I don't know. It actually, you know, if you had to pick a team to play where T.J. Slayton takes over for Kenny Clark, I don't hate that it's the Ravens, the team that loves to run the ball more than just about any other team in football. Give me just this big, massive, powerful you know, run-stuffing nose tackle, I'm not super mad. I'm not happy. But again, if, if I have to choose, I'll, yeah, we'll, we'll do it this time. Um, Aaron Jones did not participate in practice on Thursday, which is slightly concerning. It's not, for, maybe, maybe somebody said at some point, but the last I heard, we don't have any definitive reason as to why. I may have missed it. Um, I know some some guys, you know, especially with injuries, are just given rest days. This may just be a rest day for Aaron Jones. I don't know, but um, he didn't practice, so hopeful that that is not a setback of any kind, and he'll be okay to play. Uh, we know Mercedes Lewis did get a rest day, which is common. He's always getting rest days because of his age and whatnot. Which you know, kudos to the Packers for doing that kind of stuff because they have seemed to want to put a massive emphasis 
on taking care of players' bodies and whatnot. And I know we've been decimated with injuries and everything else, but they've done a really good job of being able to preserve preserve guys. I remember early in the season before we lost all of our pass rushers, we kept seeing guys like Garvin out there all the time. And it's like, why don't you just put the best players out? Because they wanted to keep them fresh. And and come the third and fourth quarter, when our pass rushers are out there pretty much every every down and they're just playing balls to the wall, um, you start to understand why you do that kind of stuff, right? Same with, you know, fourth quarter, there's no Aaron Jones. You haven't seen Aaron Jones hardly at all. And then in the fourth quarter, he's just carving people up along with A.J. Dillon, who's still fresh because he's young and 250 pounds and smashing into stuff doesn't really do much to him. (laughs) It's probably not the most flattering thing, but I, I kind of like thinking of him as just a big ogre. You know what I mean? Like just, he just smashes through walls and it's just, it's not fair or accurate, but I, I, it's, uh, I'm sticking with it. We're doing that. Um, Rogers, Equinemius, St. Brown, Daphne, Turner, and Clark were all out. Bakhtiari was in pads, which is great. And also, we saw the first sign of our center, Josh Myers, who has just completely vanished from the world. Uh, we hadn't heard a single update about him. He just, you know, he got hurt, and then he was just gone forever. Um, we got to see him back out there. I, I would doubt that we see Josh Myers in the game because he just got back, but it's a good positive sign that sometime in the near future, we may get Bakhtiari and Josh Myers back out there. Um, which obviously would be a much needed thing just to just to get more, if nothing else, for the sake of depth. Even if Josh Myers is sort of a lateral move, just being able to have two guys that are capable of playing because injuries just keep happening. As long as we can have as many guys as we can have, that's uh, that's fantastic. Um, as for the Baltimore Ravens, they had 11 guys not practicing, including Lamar Jackson. As Mike Garofolo said, today was the day the Ravens had hoped to have Lamar Jackson on the field doing work. It's now looking like an uphill battle for him to play versus the Packers. In addition to Lamar Jackson, fullback Pat Ricard, uh, Hollywood Brown, Nick Boyle, Al- uh, Alejandro Villanueva, Ben Powers, Tyree Phillips, Patrick McCarry, Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams and Chuck Clark also did not practice. So, I mean, it's it's pretty not great. I mean, th- th- those are those are big names, man. Calais Campbell, Nick Boyle, he was just added to I mean, he was he was on the list yesterday, but he was limited. Now he's not practicing. Justin Houston was just veteran rest on Wednesday, so he's back, but Lamar Jackson obviously it doesn't get much bigger than that. Um several offensive linemen, that's terrible. In fact, this is what do we got here? That includes their left tackle, their left guard, their right tackle, and their right tackle backup. So Alejandro Villanueva, left tackle. Ben Powers is their left guard. Um, Patrick McCarry has been their right tackle. He's been injured. Tyree Phillips has been filling in for him. Both of those two right tackles are currently injured. I shouldn't say injured. McCarry is injured with a hand injury. Looking like he will be able to play this week. He's been out for a while. We'll see. Tyree Phillips has been out with an illness. So, I, you know, maybe they can both play, maybe not. Villanueva is out with a knee injury. Don't know if he's out for the game, but he hasn't practiced all week. And uh, Ben Powers has a foot injury and has not practiced. So, I mean, th- this team is is in a bad way. And Hollywood Brown, you know, again, it's an illness. So you'd think, well, he'll probably get over it. But who knows? He was just added to this list. That's That's pretty big. But anyways, let's pick through the roster as best as we possibly can with the information that we have. Try to piece together what this team is, which is, 
it's hard enough to do um, just in, an, in, a, in a given week because teams fluctuate, players fluctuate, but then also looking at it and saying, I don't know who's going to play um, on top of that, and then looking at the backups potentially and how that would change. You know, it's is it a good offensive line unit? Well, that kind of depends who's playing and what combination of people are playing and, you know, even what you expect the Ravens to do, well, that might change depending on who the quarterback is. Um, do they have good wide receivers? I which ones are play? You know what I mean? It's 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 a weird week for sure. But anyways, let's go ahead and pick through this now. Start off on offense in the quarterback position. Um, already talked pretty extensively about Lamar Jackson insofar as him regressing. Um, again, I know he may not play, but we're going to start with Lamar. We'll move on to the, the next guy. But as far as his grades, just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about as far as regression, and I mentioned yesterday about the team kind of having a bad... Um, <laughs> it's so funny because it's exactly how I described the team overall is is Lamar's grades. But week one was a little bit down. Then you've got the best part, 73, 88, 81, 83... Then there's that sort of second tier, 69, 69, 59, kind of a down again. From there, 59, 50, 41, 44, and then a slight uptick to 67. So ultimately, he's only had four good games. I guess you could call it six if you want to call the 69s technically like 70s, I guess. And that was from weeks two through seven. Since week seven, he has not had one good game. His best was last week with a 67 overall grade against Cleveland. As far as his um, statistics go, 2,882 passing yards, 16 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, um, which, as you can probably guess, is not fantastic. Not only is he about 50-50 in terms of uh, uh, touchdown passes and interceptions, but he's about is about a one-to-one ratio with big-time throws and turnover-worthy plays, which is really not good. I mean, you got to think, big-time throws are not necessarily touchdowns. It's just any time there's a big-time throw. He has 19 big-time throws and 18 turnover-worthy plays so far this year. Even um, even Justin Fields is like 2-to-1-ish. He has quite a bit more big-time throws than he has turnover-worthy plays, so this is not great. And I know Lamar has a lot of fans and a lot of defenders and everything else, but... Um, even if we just look from 2019 at his overall grades, the year he won MVP, he had a 90.1 overall grade, right? He was fantastic. 82 passing grade, 90 rushing grade. 2020, that 90 overall grade went down to a 79, so it dropped about 10 points down to about an 80. His 82 passing grade went down to a 75 passing grade. His 90 rushing grade went down to a 78 uh, rushing grade. So everything went down. So far this year, his 79 overall grade, which again went down 10 points, is down to a 70, down another 10. So from 90 to 80 to 70, his passing grade is a 65. So from 82 to 75 to 65. His rushing grade even has gone down every single year from a 90 to a 78 to a 76. And if you look at the individual grades as far as rushing, he's had, let's see, one, he's had two games in the 80s three in the 70s, and that's it. He's had one, two, three in the 60s, one, two, three in the 50s, one game where he graded out in the 40s. You say, well, that's silly. He's super fast. How could he be bad at running? Because that's all you got to do is be fast and you're a great runner, right? Just like Kyler Murray, who hasn't done anything as a runner this year. Well, there are some issues. 
He does have 767 rushing yards, which is obviously a lot. He's currently leading all quarterbacks in rushing, so that's obviously not a bad thing, but there is a bit of a problem. The second highest rusher, Jalen Hurts, with 693 yards, has eight touchdowns. Lamar has two. Lamar also has six fumbles on the season. So two touchdowns and six fumbles is not super wonderful. On top of that, the fact that the guy is struggling with injuries already, which has already been a concern for guys, you know, the the NFL is moving toward quarterbacks that can run. That's becoming a trend, right? We want a guy that can take off and run. But the issue has always been, well, if you take off running, you're not safe anymore. You're not protected anymore. You are in danger of getting hit. As far as the running grades go, he is currently, oh, this is just going to make a lot of people mad. I'm not even going to read it, but he's not very high. (laughs) And there's a lot of quarterbacks that you would not think are above him that are above him. Let's just leave it at that. Oof. Um, The game is on right now. I wasn't watching it, but there's a lot on Twitter about Donald Parham. I just saw the video of it. Um, Sounds pretty bad. I just went and sought out the uh, Twitter football doctor who described it and said it's pretty serious. So um, sounds like, based on what he said, they're probably going to take him straight to the hospital in an ambulance, um, hoping that he's okay. Pretty serious, uh, well, concussion, but, but you know, well, anyways. Yeah, sounds like uh, some traumatic brain or possibly spinal cord damage there. So horrible, horrible stuff, man. Anyways, back to Lamar Jackson. I think one other thing to keep in mind here um, or to possibly consider with Lamar that could possibly be an explanation of why things are regressing. Um, If you look at the fact of, first of all, the offensive line turnover, there was quite a bit of turnover to their offensive line. And also you you take into account the injuries and everything else. The, The reason I bring this up, if you look at the passing grades, Overall, Lamar is, let me filter this a little bit so we can get a better picture. He's 26th out of 37, so it's not super great. However, if you look at Lamar Jackson in a completely clean pocket, he ranks 19th as a passer out of 39. For reference, Aaron Rodgers is 11th, Pat Mahomes is 19th, tied with Lamar Jackson, uh, Baker Mayfield 22nd. Um, Point is, he's significantly better. Well, why is that the case? Because he is literally the um, one of the worst graded quarterbacks while under pressure. And so it's one of those situations where, I mean, for any quarterback, when the pressure is greater and greater, you start to play worse, right? Nobody's, I mean, sometimes the grades are a little bit higher. It's usually a fluky kind of thing, but nobody's really going to prefer pressure. If that was the case, you know, quarter, coaches would start pulling offensive linemen, right? That doesn't make any sense. But you're going to get a more drastic result the worse you are under pressure. So if you take all the quarterbacks and make them 100% clean, the quarterbacks who are best while clean are going to be the best. And then as you slowly up the percentage of, you know, 1% of the time you're under pressure, 2%, 3%, 4%, up, 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 you're going to gradually start to see it shift to the people who are better under pressure becoming better quarterbacks, the people that are worse under pressure becoming worse quarterbacks. And so variations in offensive line play will affect Lamar more or less. So this obviously comes into play for Lamar with all the injuries and everything else, but also with this upcoming game. If Lamar does play and half of his offensive line is out, and it's already been performing at a fairly low level and declining, 
that's going to cause problems for Lamar because the Packers are going to give Lamar Jackson the Justin Fields treatment, right? It's just going to be balls to the wall 24-7 because that's that's how you lose, right? If, if you stay in the pocket, you pick us apart. If you're under pressure, you're terrible. I mean, it's it's a very simple formula. It's a little bit more scary because Lamar's mobile and you want to be able to contain him, but if you can bring pressure, his his ability to pass really drops. So I guess you got to be a little bit more careful because you don't want him taken off because he can kill you on the ground. But if, if you can bring extra, in other words, if you can use your defensive line, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, TJ Slayton, and use them to contain and corral along with the linebacker who's kind of playing zone slash contain, but you bring, for example, Darnell Savage on a blitz, so he's the main guy that's going to go chase him down while everybody else kind of contains him. So if he takes off, he doesn't really have anywhere to go. Those are the kinds of things where that becomes a little bit lethal. As for Tyler Huntley, there's a lot of talk about people being excited about Tyler Huntley and think that he's a very good football player and whatnot. I'm assuming that's because they have short memories or, you know, recency bias because we saw him for a glimmer uh, week 14 against Cleveland. What did he do week 14 against Cleveland? Well, 270 yards, one touchdown and no interceptions. It's not a terrible stat line. He also had uh, 45 yards rushing on the ground. That includes 25 yards on designed runs as well as 70 yards. Uh, Nope. Did I read the wrong thing here? I did. I was reading the totals. (laughs) I was going to say that doesn't add up. Negative four yards on a designed run, 49 yards on scrambles. The, um, The issue is that's not the only game he's played. He's played in three games including Week 11 against Chicago. In that game, he had 219 yards, zero touchdowns, and a pick. Um, And as far as his rushing ability, he ran for 40 yards, no touchdowns, and a fumble. He also had two fumbles against Cleveland. So as a rusher, he has, uh, through four games, because he also played a little bit Week 6 and 7, 95 rushing yards, zero touchdowns, and three fumbles. As a passer, um, 68% completion rate, 528 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He has a 59 overall grade, 57 passing grade, 69 rushing grade, 33 fumbling grade, because obviously he's fumbled quite a bit for the limited amount of time that he's played. He also had one big time throw and four turnover worthy plays, which means he left, there were three interceptions just hanging out there that the defenses just didn't come down with. That's a, obviously a horrific rate. Big time throws, we're talking 1.1% which is insanely low. In fact, if you look at quarterbacks with at least um, 100 dropbacks, that is the lowest rate of anyone. Remember, that's not an accumulation, that's a rate. So it's not like, well, it's because he hasn't played very much. No, it's it's a percentage. So it doesn't matter how much you've played. The point is, he is a dink and dunk master to the unbelievably height degree. In that same group of at least 100 dropbacks, he is also 11th highest turnover-worthy play percentage. So, you know, listen, I understand every once in a while guys come out, and anytime you get a backup that comes out and isn't just the worst player you've ever seen in your life, there's automatically this hype of, oh my goodness, is the greatest person ever, right? I don't know how many times that happens where somebody steps out onto the field, and they look good for one day, and it's like, oh, this person flew under the radar, greatest quarterback that's ever existed. Who was the one guy? Mike White, right? Mike White came out. Uh, what did he do that one week? He had 405 yards and three touchdowns, and everybody lost their mind, um, ignoring the part where he also threw two interceptions in that game. 
but he ended up with a 53 overall grade, 953 total yards over four games, five touchdowns and eight interceptions, three big time throws with nine turnover worthy plays. He's not a good quarterback, right? He came out through a massive amount of yards and had three touchdowns. And for a guy that was a fifth round pick in 2018, nobody expects anything from, nobody even knows the guy's name. That's not really expected, but it doesn't mean anything. So the if you hear people talk, and, and the only reason I mention is because I've heard a lot of people talk about Tyler Huntley's, you know, he's he's just as good as as whoever, or he's a scary quarterback or whatever. It's dude, he 270 yards and a touchdown. I I you know. I don't think Baltimore needs to necessarily throw a parade for the guy. I don't know. Anyways, that that in a nutshell is the quarterbacks. Looking at the running backs, as best as I can tell, the two guys that are going to be playing, um, Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray are the top guys. Nate McCray played one game in Week 13. Everybody else that I can tell that has taken a single snap is not playing for various reasons. Um, Devontae Freeman seems to be the top back. He has a 67 overall grade, um, a 70 rushing grade, 65 receiving grade. He has, um, if I could get on the right thing ever, 440 yards on the ground and four touchdowns. He's averaging 4.3 yards per carry. Remember, this team does um, have one of the highest yards per carry average of any team in the NFL. Latavius Murray, uh, 260 yards, five touchdowns, 3.3 average. Um, Not as dissimilar in terms of yards as you would expect. And there's also been a massive drop in um, Latavius Murray carries, I guess. I mean, it was 22, 11, 13, 14, 16. The last two weeks, though, three snaps and three snaps, which accounted for three total carries. So I don't know what exactly the reason for that is, but um, Latavius has not been utilized very much at all, which kind of just leaves us with one remaining player in um, in Devontae Freeman. Between the two, uh, Latavius Murray is your bigger back, six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds. Um, he's he's just sort of your bruiser. He's not really used as a receiver hardly at all. Um, in the last three weeks, he's had two targets, two receptions, thirty four yards. Um, even before that, two targets, two reception, one yard. So, I mean, on the season, the entire season, nine targets, eight receptions, 60 yards. Devontae Freeman, 32 targets, 28 receptions, 178 yards. So Devontae Freeman seems to be the number one back and the number one receiving back and kind of just a little bit of everything. Again, Latavius is your bigger 6'3", 230 guy um, compared to Freeman, 5'8", 206, but they're just not utilizing him. And I guess it kind of makes sense. He's not averaging as much. He's not grading out as well. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Just seems weird to me. They're, they're basically, do- well, maybe it's not because we're kind of getting that way with A.J. Dillon where he's kind of doing a lot more of the work. Oh my goodness, it's 8'15". I swear. Can't win. All right. Uh, wide receivers now. Um, the full list of wide receivers that have done anything so far this year, you've got Sammy Watkins, Devin Duvernay, James Proche, uh, Miles Boykin, Hollywood Brown, Tylen Wallace, and Rashad Bateman. The amount of players that have played in all 13 games would be Devin Duvernay, end of list. For the sake of time, we might as well just add in the tight ends here. Their number one receiver is actually tight end Mark Andrews, which is really nothing new for Baltimore. They're very heavy with tight ends. They like to utilize them a ton. 106 targets. 
for Mark Andrews, their number two receiver, which is their number one wide receiver by a mile, is Hollywood Brown. And I mentioned Hollywood Brown did pop up on the injury report with an illness. Um, to show you how big of a difference there is, Rashad Bateman is wide receiver two, who's only played eight games, 46 targets, Hollywood Brown 102. Um, in terms of, of yards, tight end Mark Andrews, 926 yards, Hollywood Brown, 866 yards. The next on that list, Rashad Bateman, 404 yards. Touchdowns, six for Andrews, six for Hollywood Brown, zero for Rashad Bateman. The next highest, anyone with any, is Devin Duvernay with two, and he's the only one with two. So it's it's really just a two-man band. And I know there's a lot of hype for Rashad Bateman and some of the guys that are on this team that have been, you know, Tylen Wallace was a really popular guy. Uh, he ended up going in the fourth round. He really hasn't done anything. Again, Rashad Bateman, there was a ton of hype for Rashad Bateman. I think a lot of that had to do with early in the season. I mean, he didn't even play early in the season, but when he came back, um, he had a couple big games. I know he had a, a week 10, maybe. I don't know. I don't know why there's there's certain hype for certain people at certain times, but um, he has currently 404 yards, zero touchdowns. His biggest game he did have against Cleveland was 103 yards, so maybe that was part of it, but I feel like it was a long time ago that this hype popped up. Again, it was probably Packer fans saying, see, should have got a wide receiver. That's that's obviously what it was. But again, 68 overall grade. He is probably going to be the number one wide receiver if Hollywood Brown is out. By the way, Hollywood Brown, if you don't know, 5'9", 170. Um, he is Antonio Brown's cousin. It's more of an interesting thing. I'm not infer inferring anything. But he is your speed guy. He is your deep threat. He is your, you know, I don't know what he ran, but he's, you know, your 4-2-9 speed guy. Uh, Rashad Bateman is going to be your 6-2-2-10. Not massively massive, but he's your bigger X receiver type, your, your Devontae Adams type. Miles Boykin has not played very much. Uh, James Proch, he's just sort of like a backup slot. Devin Duvernay is the slot receiver. Um I don't know how often they're in the slot, but he's got uh, 36 targets, 28 receptions, 240 yards, and two touchdowns. He's got a 55 overall grade, so not not super impressive thus far. Um, and then Sammy Watkins is sort of your other receiver. If you had, if you were to compare it to the Packers, it would sort of be Bateman is Devontae, Sammy Watkins is Lazard, Hollywood Brown is MVS, Devin Duvernay is Randall Cobb. And then Proche would be Amari Rogers. He's sort of the backup slot that doesn't really get utilized. In terms of grades, the only one that's graded out really well is Mark Andrews. And he's always been a good tight end. 87 overall grade as, as a receiver, 89 overall overall. Hollywood Brown has a 74 overall grade receiving. And then Rashad Bateman is rated right about a 70. Everyone else is 60s, 50s, and a couple 40s down here at the bottom. But nobody that's really doing very much. Nick Boyle, the tight end that's out, um, just has hardly ever played and is graded out horribly, probably because he hasn't really played at all this year. Finally, looking at the offensive line, um, Alejandro Villanueva is their left tackle. Um, he's been around for a long time. He's a very good offensive lineman, historically speaking, but um, it's been kind of downhill since about 2018. He's 33 years old, 6'9", 320. He's a massive human, but he peaked in 2018 with Pittsburgh, 81, 2019, 74, 2020, 74. So far this year, a 62 overall grade. He has not transitioned very well. He has a 69 run blocking grade, which is actually his highest, second highest run blocking grade ever, which really shows how horrifically bad his, um, his uh, pass blocking has been. So 
If we just look historically since 2016, 83, 77, 83, 80, 77, 50.6. The most sacks he's given up in a season ever, and he's done it twice, is seven. Last year with Pittsburgh, he gave up three. So far this year, nine. That's two more than he's given up ever in a full season. And the season is not over. Um, He's had 48 pressures he's given up in 2017. He did give up 51, but again, the season is not over. Um, It's been a bit of a, a, a struggle. And it's entirely possible that it has to do with the quarterback. You know, you got Ben Roethlisberger, who is just an absolute statue. You know exactly where he's standing. You know he's never going to be away from that spot. Whereas Lamar, you know, maybe he's taking deeper drops. Maybe he's doing this, that, or the other. It's it's maybe, not, I, I'm just saying maybe. I have no idea. But for whatever reason, coming over to Baltimore, and you could just say maybe he hit a wall at 33, but that is a massive drop. I don't know. But, um, and again, that's assuming he even plays. I'm not entirely sure that he's going to. He did not, he's got a knee injury, has not practiced all week. Um, After Villanueva, you've got Ronnie Stanley was the next guy on the list. Ronnie Stanley was placed on IR, I think like after week one. So he will not be subbing. After him, you've got a guy by the name of Andre Smith, 6'4", 330, 2019 first round pick. He played, uh, let's see, two, four, six, seven years in Cincinnati a year in Minnesota, went back to Cincinnati for a couple years, or half the year, then back to Arizona, then back to Cincinnati. Now he's in Baltimore. He is going on 35 years old. Um, He had two good years with Cincinnati in 2012 and 2013. He did sub in for a little bit in week four. He had a 81 pass blocking grade, but a 55 run blocking grade. Um, No question in my mind that was a complete fluke because he's never really had that good of a pass blocking grade in a season. As best as I can tell, Andre Smith is... Ooh, Chargers just took the lead. Good for you. As best as I can tell, Andre Smith is healthy, so he will be the guy that's coming in. But I think if we're going to gauge how good of a football player he is, we have to look at kind of what he has been over the last several years, not necessarily the one game he played against Denver at left tackle. Um, If we look at 2015 until now, because that's kind of when things have been pretty consistent... Run blocking grades have been 58, 50, 66, 64, 46. So it's around like a 55-ish, 58-ish. Pass blocking grades, 62, 55, 53, 54, 58. So he's mid-50s. He's just not very good in either, in, in any capacity at anything, I guess. So it's it's a big deal. I mean, Villanueva has struggled this year, but it's still a drop-off. I mean, you got to lose Ronnie Stanley is pretty big. And then to have Alejandro Villanueva come in, that is a big relief. And then if he goes out, you're just in a really bad way. At left guard, you've got Ben Powers. Ben Powers, 63 run blocking grade, 66 pass blocking grade. He's allowed three sacks, three hits, 15 hurries, 21 total pressures. And he's hurt. After Ben Powers is Ben Cleveland. As best as I can tell, if Ben Powers doesn't go, Ben Cleveland, who is a rookie this year, who has played four games, will take over. Ben Cleveland in those four games gave up two hurries only, but um, obviously in a pretty limited capacity uh, that he was able to play. He was a third-round pick out of Georgia. Um, He has a 56 run blocking grade, 61 overall pass blocking grade. However, if you break it down on a week-to-week basis, it's kind of inverse as far as where he seems to be good and where he seems to be bad. Run blocking, he had one good game, three bad games. Pass blocking, three good games, one bad game. So he seems to be not the worst pass blocker in the world. 
But, I mean, he's a backup to Ben Powers, who isn't very good for a reason. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. So we will have to see how that all shakes out, but it sounds like it's either going to be Ben Powers who is, you know, about 65-ish in both areas to potentially be Ben Cleveland, who's like 55-ish on average in both areas. At center, you've got Bradley Bozeman. Um, Bozeman is one of the guys that actually grades out quite well in all facets of the game. He has given up 19 pressures, which seems high for a center, but three sacks, two hits, 14 hurries. He has a 71 run blocking grade, 70 pass blocking grade. Um, So just all around seems pretty good. It's also a little bit unfortunate because we're not going to have our top interior defensive lineman. So that's going to make it even more of a challenge right smack dab in the middle of this, of this offensive line at right guard. You've got Kevin Zeitler, uh, another guy that's been around a long time. It's a very old offensive line. Um, Kevin Zeitler, longtime Cincinnati Bengal spent some time with Cleveland last two years uh, with the New York giants so far this year, although he does seem to be kind of, you know, it's that whole light bulb flickering on and off kind of thing, starting to flicker off a little bit. He does seem to be doing quite well as a pass blocker, especially recently. Um, in fact, since week seven, he's been pretty dominant. His grades pass blocking 77, 77, 89, 70, 88, 83, 85. That's about as good as you can get. As a run blocker, though, 66 overall, which usually doesn't matter as much, but when your number one identity is running, it's, you know, you, you want to be a little better than that, but he's given up zero sacks, zero hits, and 11 hurries so far this season. Um, so Kevin Zeitler doing a good job at the guard spot. So center and right guard are the strength. Then you've got that whole debacle at right tackle where Patrick McCarry is your top right tackle. 
He's been out for quite a while. He seems like he's going to be coming back. He's got a 61 run blocking grade, 70 or 75 pass blocking. He's given up three sacks, a hit, and 13 hurries. If he doesn't go, Tyree Phillips is the backup to him. Um, however, he's also hurt, and it doesn't look like he's going to play. After that, the guy who's taking the most snaps at right tackle is your left tackle, Alejandro Villanueva, who probably isn't playing. After that would be David Sharp. So they need Patrick McCarry back in a pretty serious way. And it's becoming abundantly clear to me that tomorrow is going to have to be the defensive day because it's already 840 here and we are 40 some odd minutes into this. So maybe we'll just leave it at that. Things take a lot longer than I feel like they should. But that's it. I mean, again, the whole the whole story is is the the injuries, right? I mean, at full strength, you got Lamar, who can be scary, especially if he's not under duress. And while is he going to be under duress? Well, we lost a guy, and it kind of depends on their offensive line. Who who's playing for there? If they're down a few guys, and that gives us much better chance to get pressure, which means Lamar isn't going to be very good if Lamar even plays. The wide receivers, I mean, they've obviously got their number one tight end who's playing. Do they have their number one wide receiver? I don't know. He might not be playing. He did not practice with an illness. So there's a lot up in the air. And who plays and who doesn't reshapes this entire game. But either way, we're dealing with a team that has been struggling quite a bit. Even at full strength, there's some questions about their quarterback, questions about the offensive line, questions about the running backs. Um, and so again, that that kind of reshapes this whole thing. We'll have to keep a close eye on the injury report, see, because again, if you look at the injury report, they have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players that did not practice on this list and several others that are injured that were either limited or full participant. Um, you know, Nick Boyle, Calais Campbell, which is obviously massive. We'll talk about defense tomorrow. Lamar Jackson, Tyree Phillips, um, Ben Powers, Patrick Ricard, Alejandro Villanueva, Hollywood Brown, Brandon Williams. So big names makes a big difference whether or not these guys play or don't. But anyways, I guess we'll leave it at that. You folks have a good day. We'll uh, we'll cover more of the injuries and, and any new news and developments with all this COVID stuff. Hopefully no Packers news. No news is good news. And, and it, you want to talk about how big of a difference injuries make. Is David Bakhtiari playing? Is potentially our center playing? Probably not, but who knows? You know, we'll check on, in, you know, updates as far as, you know, Jair, uh, possibly Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones, is he playing? You know, there, there's, I almost feel like I'm wasting my time talking about stuff because it's just, I have no idea what's going on. I don't even know if they're playing football this week, but we'll keep plugging along. Uh, you folks have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com